0: That beautiful name, that powerful name that is Jesus Christ, who is the Savior. Uh, Please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of James, James chapter 1. This morning we are concluding our series on God's Word. And we have spent the past few Sunday mornings looking at the matter of God's Word, the Scripture this Bible that we have, and we have seen that God's Word is all authority. All authority. That God's Word is powerful. And that God's Word has a quality that is unsurpassed. And this morning, as we just draw this short series to a close, I want us to think about the outcome of God's Word. James chapter 1, and we'll read verses 22 to 25. But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. And we do ask God's blessing on the public reading of his word this morning, the outcome of God's word what happens when God's word is read what takes place uh, when the word of God comes and it enters into the minds and into the hearts of men and women what is the end point of it all this modern world that we live in expects change the culture around about us doesn't like to stay the same for too long but in many respects change is good We look at science and down through the years how science has changed as new things have been learned and new principles have been put in place. And then there is the ever-advancing matter of technology. You buy a computer out of the shop today and by tomorrow it's out of date. It's obsolete. Some new technology has come and has replaced it. Something else that changes, that alters, is the way that men and women think philosophy. Philosophies are updated, and they take into account the ever-shifting desires of this world, and change takes place. It's a fact of life that things change. My dad has a saying, It says, nothing's the same forever. How true. Except there is one thing, one person who stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, our God. And as an offshoot of that, the word that God has given us, God's word, remains the same. It does not change. It does not alter. It doesn't shift as culture changes. But it proclaims and it speaks forth, not the words of men, but the words of God himself. And I just want to challenge every one of us here this morning, at the very outset, That as we have heard from God's Word, be it one Sunday morning or many Sunday mornings or for all of our life, as we have heard from God's Word, has it brought us to that point of the greatest change that God can ever make in a man's life? Has it brought us to that point where we have realized uh, that we are sinners and that we need Jesus Christ to save us? Is that where you are this morning? Because that is what God's Word wants to do. Last night I was out playing with a with a, a male voice choir, uh, and one of the songs that they sung was just simply this, for God so loved the world. And I was struck all over again as that most famous of Bible verses, for God so loved the world. What? He gave his only begotten son. Why? So that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is the change that God's word wants to make. That is the value that God has placed upon your soul that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Have you come to that point? Is that the outcome of God's word in your life that you have turned to Jesus Christ? Perhaps you already have trusted in Jesus. Perhaps he is your Lord and saviour. Does that mean that we no longer change? Does that mean that we stay the same? No, it doesn't. The Christian Grows and matures and changes as they walk with Jesus Christ because they've come under the influence of Christ Jesus through the Word of God. And so we turn to the Epistle of James this morning. Now, this is a letter that is written by somebody who, who changed. James is the half brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Jesus grew up and as Jesus began to be known for being a man of God, indeed as he began to be known as the Messiah, James rejected him and said we want nothing to do with him. But then at some point in James' life, he saw the truth of Jesus Christ and he trusted in him as Lord and Savior. And he writes this letter as one who had rejected Christ but who eventually came to faith, he writes to a group of believers who are similar to him from a Jewish background, a group who had been forced out of the city of Jerusalem by persecution, and James writes to encourage them. He writes to encourage them to keep living their life of faith, to keep walking with Jesus Christ, but to be living in a faith that is shown to other people. Because God's word has to impact upon their lives. And so we come to this little passage just towards the end of the first chapter. What is the outcome of God's Word? Well, the first thing that God's Word does is it proves the authenticity of the believer. James wants his readers The people who receive this letter, he wants them to be certain about their salvation. He doesn't want them uh, vibrating from one position to the other. He doesn't want them doubting one day and then being certain the next. He wants them to have some assurance of their salvation, of their faith. And he says to them, well, here is the thing that proves the authenticity of your walk with Jesus Christ. Verse 22 begins, the first part says but prove yourselves doers of the word. That word prove could equally be translated from the Greek, be, but be yourselves doers of the word. Show it. Don't pretend. Don't hide it away. You have a faith, but have a faith that is constant a faith that is continual and it's working to obey Jesus Christ. James makes clear the point that once saved, and note the order of things here, that salvation comes first, that once saved, you will want to live in a life that is obedient to Jesus Christ. It's not the other way around. It is not you live a life of obedience and then you are saved. That would be being saved by works. And James is not at any point teaching that. But he's saying that once you are saved, your heart will be such that you will desire to obey Jesus Christ and his teachings. You will desire to obey God and his law. He's not saying that you need to or you can even live perfectly because sin still lives in the heart. There will be times of failure, times of disappointment, times of letting even God down. But it is the desire of your heart to be obedient to him. And these people are doers of the word. It's the whole of their person that's involved. It's their heart, it's their soul, it's their mind. And that is how obedience is demonstrated. Their heart has that desire. Their mind controls their thought in a disciplined fashion. And as a result, their life goes, their feet go uh, where that obedience would take them, doing what God would have them do. And they obey what? The Word. The substantial word of God, the substantive word of God. They obey what God says they are to obey. You know, this is what God's word does to us. This is what the outcome of God's word does. It saves us, as we read in 2 Timothy 3, verse 15. It brings salvation. But it continues to work upon us and in our hearts and in our lives that we will go and do and be authentic for God. You know, there are no holidays from this. There's no days off. There's no break in the action. This is our life. This is what we are called to. This is the challenge. But we don't go and do it in our own strength. We do it with the presence of the Holy Spirit who has made his dwelling place within us. We do it with the constant companionship of God. And God's word seeks to make us authentic through the proving of our faith by the way that we live. But there's another way that we're authentic, and verse 22 continues, that we're not merely hearers who delude themselves. In James's day, and dare I say it, in every single generation, there was a group of people who simply listened. There were a group of people who went to the theater to listen to plays or to listen to songs. They would go to the marketplace to look at the rulers and what they would be saying in the marketplace. They would even go to Rome to see what the emperor was saying. Uh, But they would just simply observe. They would listen. And then they would do nothing about it. They were an audience. And that is the vast difference between those who gather to simply listen. And those who gather to do God's work. We are not called to be an audience. We are called to be a congregation. We are called to be active in the word of God. We are not people who do nothing. We are not people who simply soak in what is said to us and then never change. No, we we live for Jesus Christ. We work for Jesus Christ. We serve him. But above all, we fall before him in obedient worship. And we are not like these people that James cautions. We are not people who delude themselves who trick themselves, who in their own minds convince themselves that black is white and white is black. But they do what is true. Those who are under the influence of God's word, and this is James that is teaching us, this is God's word that is teaching us, those who are under the influence of God's word do what it says. Those who hear God's word and are authentic obey it. And that means the flip side is true, that those who hear God's word and disobey it are not authentic. A hard message. But for my heart, a necessary one. What do we do when we hear God's word? Do we do what it says? Or do we do the opposite? Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, if conditional... If you love me, you will what? You will obey my commands. That's the litmus test of our heart. If we love Jesus Christ, we will want to obey his commands. We will look to the Ten Commandments of Exodus chapter 20 and the early part of Deuteronomy. We will look to what God says in the Mosaic law and we will desire to obey that. We will look to the life of Jesus Christ and the teaching of Jesus Christ. We will look to the epistles and we will want to obey what is said to us in these things. Because the obedience that we have to God's word is completely and unbreakably linked to the value that we place on God's authority over our life. God's word has the outcome of showing us the authenticity of our faith. But the scripture uh, makes us more and more authentic as we obey it. Then it also teaches us not just what we need to obey, but what we need to reject. And the second outcome of of God's word is what we avoid. Look at verses 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. The picture here is clear. James paints us a picture. He gives us an illustration. Lorna sometimes says to me that I go out in the morning as if I've never looked in the mirror. Uh, Sometimes those who are closest to you can give you the cruelest blows. But we all know what it's like to go and look in the mirror. We all know what it's like to see our appearance and decide whether or not something needs to be done. It can be a good thing to go to the mirror and check if we are healthy in a sense. The mirror is a useful thing for it reflects. Not what we would like it to reflect, but it reflects the reality of what is there before us. And James says if you don't do what God's word says, you're like the person that goes to the mirror and looks and sees and then goes away and two seconds later you've forgotten what you look like. And James warns these Christians that what they read in God's word is not to be forgotten. And they're to avoid this terrible position of coming to God's word and reading it and perhaps even studying it and even believing it, and then going away and rejecting it. And they are to avoid that. They are to have a real passion for coming to God's Word and taking it on board. They are to have a real desire for reading God's Word and studying it and applying it to their lives. Because the person who doesn't do that has no value in God's Word. The person who does that might not be deliberate, but it's certainly negligent. The person who does that is rejecting God's instruction for their life. And this is precisely what the Christian cannot be like. And so let me plead with you, let me exhort you to take heed of this warning that James gives, that we are to read God's Word, we are to study it, we are to come to it, we are to be covered in it and immersed in it. But we are to do what it says. Psalm 119, verse 16 it says, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And of course, there is much value in internalizing God's word through memorizing it. How many of us did that in Sunday school and in Bible class? And these verses that we can quote. Uh, because we learned them by rote at the time, but we can still quote them. They are in our hearts. But it's not just about going away and memorizing large portions of Scripture. It is about knowing the principles that God instructs us to live by. It is knowing that if we go to A or do B, that that will be pleasing to God. But if you go to C and do D, it will be displeasing to him. And we are to avoid the great error of forgetting what God's word says. We are to avoid treating it negligently. But the other thing that we are to avoid, and these two verses uh, point is to that as well, is that we are not to forget who we are. We are to avoid forgetting who we are and what we are like. A man who leaves the mirror forgetting who he is and, and what he is like has either got some problem or doesn't care. We have to remember that Scripture tells us that we have hearts that, even after we have met Christ, hearts that delight to pull us away from the side of our Savior. And when the man forgets the truth of God's Word, he will do his own thing. And when the Christian forgets that they have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, they will do their own thing and they will feel a liberty to sin. And James says, avoid forgetting who you are. Don't forget that there is that sin that still is in your heart that wants to trip you up. Don't forget that you're still open to the attacks and the temptations of Satan. But above all, don't forget that you are the person belonging to Jesus Christ. Do not forget that the sacrifice on the cross and the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ was done so that you would be Saved from sin. Don't forget. The outcome of God's word is to prevent us from forgetting the greatness of the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And so we remember that we are fighting a battle. Paul says in Colossians 3 verse 5, Put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, all those things that we do that are of the the human desires, the sinful desires, and we're not to give in to those sinful activities. But we are to remember, as Peter puts it, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are a holy nation, We are the people that Christ Jesus came into this world to save. And the outcome of God's word is that we will avoid forgetting these things. To put it in the positive sense, the outcome of God's word is that we will remember them. And we will remember them day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute. It will be a constant thought in our head that we belong to God. And that we have a life to live that is in obedience to his word. But let me just come to the third point, And we find it in verse 25. That as we are coming to God's word, it proves the authenticity of our faith. It instructs us on the things that we are to avoid. But the word of God has this outcome. That it places in our heart an acceptance. And James in verse 25, he brings this little paragraph that we have been studying this morning to a close by pleading with his readers to be accepting of what God gives to them through his word. And the outcome of God's word is to shape and to mold his people. To take them from a people who were lost sinners and through the operation of his grace To be a people who are more and more like Jesus Christ. And we have to accept that the knowledge that God gives us in His Word is practical. Verse 25 begins and it says, But one who looks, be like one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it. James tells these Christians to look closely at God's law, don't just scan it. Don't just gloss over it, but look intently. And this word intently actually means to bend over and to look down very closely. It's a bit like Poirot or Sherlock Holmes, getting as close to the clue, as close to the evidence as they possibly can and scrutinizing it with great effort and great care. You know, the child of God, the person that belongs to Jesus Christ, looks at God's law, looks at Scripture, looks at the Bible from the best possible vantage point. This law isn't studied out of curiosity, but it's studied out of necessity. We want to know what God wants to tell us. We want to know what God would have us do. And so let me encourage us all to spend more time seeing what God would say in his word. Study the Bible. Yes, come and hear preachers, but study it for yourself. Open up. Read it. Think about what you read and then apply it. Ask questions of what you read in the Bible, the who, the why, the what, the where, the when, and the how. But always get to the big question about what God's Word says. And that big question is, so what? After I've read, so what? Why does it matter? What must I do because it matters? And be in obedience. To the law that he gives. Notice what kind of law this is. It's not the law to trap you into doing the things that you don't want to do. It's not the law that hands out a punishment to you because you simply will not obey all of the different paragraphs of the statute. It is the law of liberty. Why did Christ Jesus come into this world? It was for freedom that he set us free. And the law that God gives is for our blessing. It is for our benefit. It is for the goodness of our life. It is so that we might have this life and have it abundantly. We have to accept that the knowledge God's word gives is practical, but as we close, just the second part of verse 25 tells us that we have to actually get hold of the truth We have to accept the truth that what God's word gives us results in rich blessing. The passage concludes, Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. James gets to the result here. He lays before his readers the outcome of treating God's word properly. When the reader doesn't forget, when the reader doesn't ignore, when the reader doesn't obey, uh, disobey, there's a positive outcome. This genuine believer sees that the things that he does that are in obedience to God are the things that bring him blessing. They know that they've been set free by God's Word, and they delight to carry on living in that freedom. Listen to two Bible verses that make this a little bit clearer. Matthew 11, verse 30 says this, and it's Jesus who's speaking. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doing what Jesus requires of us doesn't crush us, it doesn't kill us. Yesterday, when I was uh, setting up for the concert we were involved in, I was asked by the person in charge if I would help lift his keyboard. I don't like lifting things, which is a bit of a problem come Friday when we move into the new house. But I had to do it because he was in charge. And let me tell you, it was onerous. And let me tell you, it was heavy. But that is not how Jesus Christ is. That is not the way that he operates. When he instructs us that this is something that we should do and we obey it, we actually find the goodness in it. And the second verse is Joshua 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Let me tell you, this is not the prosperity gospel This is not the thing that says, well, if I obey every single jot and tittle in this this book, then I'll have whatever I want. That is not what God was telling his people in the book of Joshua. But what he was saying is that when they are obedient to him, they will be close to God. And they will know that closeness. And they will understand the spiritual blessing that God gives in his protection and his guidance. And he will reveal more and more of himself to them. Who would not want God's blessing? We have been saved from sin. We have been saved out of this world and we know something of the majesty and the glory of God. Who would not want the blessing of having more of God, of having more of Jesus Christ? And what a wonderful thing to be able to read in this epistle by James that the outcome of God's word is that you would be blessed. You know, at the highest and most majestic level, we see that the outcome of God's word is that God accomplishes his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Such is his authority, such is his power, such is the quality of his word, that God uses it for divine and sovereign purposes. But we see that as we take this to a very personal level, the outcome of God's word is it shows that we are authentic. It teaches us what we are to avoid and it encourages us what we must accept. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament make this wonderful statement that God's word will not return to him void. It won't return to him empty. It won't go back to God not having accomplished what God wanted it to accomplish. What God's word does in the life of his people is sanctify them, is guide them, is protect them and bless them. And so we must be encouraged to Be prepared more and more to allow God's word to have his way with us. And so we draw our series to a close. God's word. We have seen the need to submit to its authority. We have been awestruck by its power, and we have been humbled by its quality. But now we must make our decision. Will we be open to be the subject of its outcome? Firstly, have you come to that outcome where you have been saved by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? And secondly, if you have been saved, are you allowing God's word to work in your heart day by day? May God fill you with confidence in His word. And may we determine that his word will be the guiding principle of our lives. And then we will know the great blessing that his word brings to us in full. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great gift to us, your word. We thank you that it is complete we thank you that it is perfect. We thank you that we find no contradiction, no error, no blemish within it. But Father, we need to pray this morning that you would draw us ever closer to it. May we open it even for the first time and find in these pages that there is a Savior who has died to buy our freedom. As we read these pages, may the Holy Spirit truly speak to us about the need of walking and living and being ever closer to Jesus Christ. May we open our hearts to your word. May we let it direct us and command us. But may it be something that we delight in. For we know that as we read it, we are hearing your voice in our hearts. Help us, we pray, for we ask it in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.